Veda means knowledge, but it's not knowledge of external information. It's pure knowledge. It's knowledge of the fundamental laws of nature. So our whole universe is underpinned by an intelligence fact. None of the healthiest, longest living cultures throughout history have ever heard of good fats, bad fats, low carb diets, glycemic index, antioxidants, and the list goes on. Hello everyone, welcome to Finding Equilibrium. How are you today? So my guest today is Mark Barn, and I'm super excited to speak to Mark. Mark is the, uh, is the uh, author of a number of books, including Ancient Wisdom, uh, a book that I stumbled across a few years ago, and it really spoke to my very soul, I have to say. Um, Mark is also a former AFL player, uh, an Ayurvedic medicine practitioner, and, uh, and, a, and uh, a keynote speaker, speaking to many corporates around the world. So I'm delighted to, to have you. Thank you for spending some time with us today, Mark. How are you? Lawrence, I'm very well, and it's a great pleasure to be with you and uh, your wonderful audience. Thank you. So, so where are you today? I know you, you've traveled around a little bit. So where are you right now? I'm back at home in, uh, in Melbourne, actually. Uh, Brisbane last week, just uh, got out before the, uh, <sighs> the borders closed and uh, had to isolate and get tested. But otherwise, uh, we're comfortably back home. Oh, that's good. Well, well welcome home. So, so let's, um, for people who haven't uh, read your books or are familiar with your, with your work, let, let's, let's go right back because it's a very interesting journey that you've had. I mean, starting as a, as a, uh, as a football player and, uh, and then Ayurvedic. And so how did that transition occur? What, um, what happened? Yeah, well, I'd always wanted to play AFL football. That was my passion as a, as a boy. Um, everything else was secondary. Um, and in my very first season, I played about two games, I think. My brother-in-law, who was a top cricketer at the time, and my sister, um, suggested I learn something called Transcendental Meditation, which 30 years ago seemed very strange and cuckoo, and, but I needed all the help I could, I could get as a footballer. I was, I was no superstar, so I, I went and learned, and I, and I loved it. Um, but the interesting thing was that about two or three years after, the, the guy who taught me gave me a book on Ayurvedic medicine and sports performance. And I was actually studying Western health science at the time. I was doing sort of, um, you know, human movement and exercise physiology and, and from the Western perspective. And this book basically was that light bulb moment where this author was talking about the ancient wisdoms of Ayurvedic medicine. And, you know, for thousands of years, the way they saw the body and performance and health and was just almost the exact opposite of the way we looked at it and it just but it just made so much sense you know you couldn't argue with it, it was just about the, the fundamental laws of life and laws of nature and how instead of breaking the body down and you know no pain no gain which was the western approach at the time the idea of exercise according to ayurveda was that it should create bliss and reduce stress and actually you should get into zone states and flow states and it should be a, a vehicle to higher states of consciousness and even spiritual enlightenment and all this and it was like you know i'm a 19 year old footballer you know but it wow. was just i could i could 
sensed the wisdom in it. And so then when it started to speak about diet and how diet should be different for every different person, you can't just have a you know one-stop shop and um, relationships and the work we do should be all be based on our body type and you know our just it just resonated and I loved it and uh, so I began this journey of sort of looking into the Eastern medicine and Eastern traditions and Ayurvedic medicine more formally and then since then sort of blending the two that using the best of Western science and the Western wisdom but sort of backing that up with you know the ancient wisdom and the traditional cultures and the indigenous cultures that you know about a lot you know they're you know time-honored wisdoms that have stood the test of time for thousands of years and how we can we can learn from those in our modern age. Wow. So such an interesting journey. And you were so young when you uh, stumbled across those. So I guess it was, I mean, it's similar to myself, but it's, uh, it does make so much sense when you hear these things. Yeah. And then you do think, wow, this is so different. Um, so how did you, um, so you actually studied. So you spent time studying and, um, and, uh, and, and uh, deepening your knowledge. So where, where did you go? Did you go to India or did you stay in Australia? What was your, what was your path? Yeah, well, I studied uh, Western Health Science um, in Australia while I was playing football. And luckily, I wasn't that good at football. So I retired at about 25 and I actually went to Southeast Asia. Okay. I went for an aid group over there volunteering. And like many people, you know, I went out to little remote villages where people were so poor and they had almost nothing. But, you know, I noticed that they were generally, as communities and individuals, you know, very happy. And uh, that, again, was a contrast to coming back home and, you know, people have got nice material possessions and nice jobs and cars and houses. And as we know, there's a lot of, you know, depression and diabetes and all sorts of things in our Western culture. So that fascinated me. So I was studying over there Ayurvedic medicine with, a, with what they call a Vaidya. A Vaidya is an Ayurvedic doctor. And he would go out into the remote villages in Cambodia and I'd sit on the back of his motorbike and I'd help sort of dispense the herbs and and we'd sit in little huts, you know, out in the middle of nowhere and I'd sit next to him and he would actually whisper in my ear what was wrong with the person just as they were walking from the door around the table to sit on the side of the table to get to get their pulse taken. And, you know, just by the color of their face or the way they walked or the tone of their voice or the um, anything. And he and he, it was just amazing. And that just blew my mind. So I then came back to Australia and I was very lucky that there was a private college in Melbourne that was doing a course um, in this approach. And uh, so for two years, I studied full time um, there. And then again, again, really luckily, as soon as I finished that formal course, we had another couple of Vijas, a husband and wife couple came from India to Australia to tour and do consultations. And I sort of became their national tour manager in a sense. And I, for two years, I basically lived with them and traveled with them and sat in on all their consultations and wow. took patients' pulses and sort of took all the notes and just, you know, dispensed the herbs. And that was like 10 years of classroom training i always <laughs> no absolutely yeah. wow it was definitely your destiny wasn't it like to really yeah. stumble across it so that's such an interesting um interesting story so maybe if we move on and start looking at some of the principles within ayurveda because i know they make so much sense as you say and when i read your book it's like you can't say everything you've said in that in the in the first book is like it's it just makes so much sense. You can't disagree with any of it, um, yeah. as you say. But some of it is such a, a mindset shift. 
for us in the West, you know, particularly around, let's say, nutrition. And the whole principles are here in the West, you know, we're counting calories, we're weighing food, we're, you know, <laughs> we're eating out of plastic containers. Convenience has become the big um, goal, if you like, for all of us. I used to work in the food industry. That was always the number one uh, requirement from food. It's like we want convenience. Um, yeah. But the the way ayurveda looks at nutrition is completely different and I'll, i'd love you to just share some of the differences between the um the ayurvedic or the eastern philosophy of nutrition or food versus the way we're used to uh, eating here in the west sure yeah i think the first step always in these conversations is actually just to explain what ayurveda is because some people won't have heard of ayurveda and some people have this very limited understanding of it and most people that have heard the term think it's some you know traditional system of india where they you know have herbs and they you know maybe take your pulse or they drip oil over your head when you go to an ayurvedic pulse bar but really this is a very superficial understanding of ayurveda veda means knowledge but it's not knowledge of external information it's pure knowledge it's knowledge of the fundamental laws of nature. So our whole universe is underpinned by an intelligence. You know, the seasons come at certain times, the baby's born and it grows in a very intelligent, orderly way. And so these underlying laws of nature govern everything in life, including us as humans. So that the ancient rishis, the sages, who where Ayurveda comes from, could cognize these laws. So it's not something that's Indian. People think Ayurveda is Indian, but it's not. Although it's been kept lively in India, that knowledge throughout time, it's the knowledge of the universal, eternal laws of life. And so they're available to any individual in any location at any time. So we all have Veda, that knowledge within us. And this brings us to this question of food and I think actually on the back cover of the book there's a line that says and I say this in all my seminars and corporate talks fact none of the healthiest longest living cultures throughout history have ever heard of good fats bad fats low carb diets glycemic index antioxidants and the list goes on and so that's not that this information is not valid or or good it's just we actually don't need to know any of it to live a healthy life and in <laughs> fact often it gets in the way because food and the ayurvedic wisdom is that we have an inner intelligence and that our bodies are literally telling us in every minute every second every moment of our lives exactly what foods we need to eat to stay in balance how much food how much rest how much liquids how much sleep everything what relationships going to make us happy and which one's not so good and so food is just another example of where we externalize things you said it with the question you know we analyze the calories and the fats and we get into all this detail about the food which shuts us off from actually listening to what the body wants and when we don't have all this external noise if you like we just go to a buffet and there's like an infinite range of food, our body will tell us whether it wants some, you know, saltiness of the olives or it needs some sort of dryness of the, the biscuit or 
And so it's getting this balance. And so in the book, we also talk about intelligent food. And this is where modern science has been wonderful over the last decade or two, really educating us that what we have considered food in the past, which has been very much processed and manufactured and is actually not really food. You know, mother nature is the master chef. You know, you go out into a forest or a natural um, park and you see the orange tree and the, you know, mother nature's recipe is just sun and water and the orange just zings in your mouth and you can just feel that intelligence resonating with the cells of your body. You go and have a Twinkie or a, you know, pack of potato chips, which I'm not against, you know, in moderation, but, and so, it's one, it's this intelligence. You know, one has to be fresh. And the other aspect of Ayurveda that's really different in terms of food is body type. That each individual has a certain constitution. Some people are more, we could say, earthy, you know. Others are more a fiery constitution. Others, we say, more space and air. I'm not going to go into the details and the Ayurvedic terminology. But therefore, the foods we eat need to change according to our individual needs. Someone who's spacey and airy by nature, that's their constitution, needs more grounding, heavier. So oil, salt in the food is actually balancing for them. They need it to have a common Western diet where they cut out all salt and sugar and fat and oil is disastrous for them. I can guarantee them they'll have migraines, they'll have insomnia, they'll get dry, rashy skin. Those that have a, a, a hot constitution, we call it a pitta constitution, need to have more cooling foods. So green leafies, you know, coconut products, things that take the heat out of the body. And the last little point before I come back to you is that related to that constitution is that we also have seasonal routines. Although Western science, you know, is very much, you know, it's like a one-stop shop. You know, you've got to eat this, and this is it. this is true at all times. But we we have a we have a seasonal routine in Ayurveda. It's called Ritucharya. and so in the middle of summer, when the weather's hot, naturally the body needs more cooling foods to help it take the heat out of the body, so we don't get rashes and, you know reflux or we don't get angry and hot under the collar emotionally in the middle of winter when the weather's cold we obviously need more warming foods and sort of grounding foods and so um, spring we have spring cleaning foods and so this these are the sort of little subtleties of food and nutrition that Ayurveda brings to the table. Mm, it's so interesting like hearing you speak because it's very much around that personalized nutrition like within modern science personalized yeah. nutrition is this big thing and yeah. I guess sometimes modern science <laughs> seems to like almost claim uh, claim ownership of discovering <laughs> that we are all different and we all require different um, diets or different ways of, uh, of living and um, whereas Ayurveda of course has been doing this and known this for like thousands of years it's funny it's like modern science yeah. is always lagging uh, behind <laughs> and then is proving what uh, what has already been known but we've lost that knowledge and we've moved away and it makes so much sense so somebody who wants to really understand themselves because i think that's really at the heart of it if you know 
who you are or you know what body type you 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 have then you can create a a, a personalized uh, approach to to live in that mm-hmm. will help you keep in balance and the benefits of balance are you feel good and you're 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 well as opposed to having the um the issues that you have and i guess in the west it's very much this kind of one size fits all uh, really in the sense yeah. and you see that with some of these um faddish diets let's say but those like if, if i understand you correctly something like a low carb diet may be ideal for some people but not good for others so you need to understand your yourself and and how can you how can you do that like how can you understand your uh, your body type what um uh, what um, what tools are around to help you do that yeah, well, there's always two levels with Ayurveda. We touched on it earlier that in Ayurveda, there's this saying called self-referral wisdom. And so at any point that we get confused, even if with Ayurvedic knowledge, and that's, that's possible, we go within. And so even without understanding what in Ayurveda we call the doshas, the doshas are these governing principles of intelligence. So you and I and everyone listening is a balance of three fundamental principles. We call them in Ayurveda, Vata, Pitta, Kapha. More common language would be, you know, the airy type, the fiery type and the earthy type. We have all three, but the predominance is different. You know, some are more earthy, slower metabolism, put on weight easily. But, you know, they're slow to get going. But once they get going, they've got a great memory and they've got a good endurance. The fiery types are often the very business types, you know, they get things done, they're competitive, highly motivated, the salespeople, the athletes. And then the airy types are more your creative types, you know, they just, you know, the Steve Jobs type people, just really quick minded. And so we're we're a balance of all three. And so we know that intuitively, you know, if we have no external knowledge, no books, they don't hear me speaking, we know whether we're a bit more airy and light and creative or a bit more, or you know, heat's a problem, we're a bit fiery or we're earthy. So there's that, that inner wisdom that we always start with. And then, you know, my website's one example, just, you know, markbun.com.au forward slash doshas, D-O-S-H-A-S, um, introduces this whole concept of the body types. I also have a podcast, Um, ancient wisdom for modern health I think about the fourth episode right back at the beginning we went through like a two-hour podcast all about how to know your body type what to do with different body types how to stay in balance but there's many other um, websites out there and great practitioners and Ayurvedic doctors that have really good knowledge on on doshas so it'd be just finding your dosha or how to balance my Ayurvedic body type um, is the main is the main thing people would search for so but I, i'm all in to keep it simple you know mm-hmm. there's, a, there's an old saying when we're hungry eat when you're <laughs> tired sleep when you're thirsty drink and really and i know that we we laugh at this but in many ways this is the truth this is what indigenous cultures this is what traditional cultures without any of our modern science and our surgeon generals and our people coming out with these latest blogs and ebooks and they just it's it's innate you know when you're tired you rest when you're hungry you eat if people just ate when they were hungry rather than because of looking at the clock or because they're emotionally stressed or 
I, I think 70 to 80% of our chronic Western illnesses would vanish overnight. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I agree. I think there's two other things I'd love to pick up on. What, one is around, because you've spoken about the natural cycles and, um, and the, the natural rhythms, uh, if you like. And of course, in, in the West, we, we don't necessarily align with the natural cycles. In fact, we work against, you know, we stay up all night, you know, lecture, and, and, and some, of those, uh, some of those things, which will clearly push us out, out of balance. Um, are there any other points that you can um, that you that you can highlight in terms of how we can uh, every day align more to the natural uh, the natural cycles? And maybe we could also bring in uh, the point around the um, you, you've mentioned it, but the elements in terms of fire, earth, air, um, I think water, maybe or space. You know, the, just around how that knowledge, because that again is quite different to the way we're taught here in the West. We're not necessarily taught to, um, to, uh, to look at things in, in that way, but in this conversation, you, you've mentioned it a few times around being more earthy or using fire to drive forward or to you know, <clears throat> embrace air to help us with creative energy. You know, these are things that, that we're all trying to do every single day to, um, you know, to find equilibrium and to, to do our best, uh, our best work. So I'd love you to, um, to talk more about those natural cycles and the elements if you can. Sure. Yeah. Well, in a sense, they're two different questions. So I'll answer both. But the natural cycles is a really interesting one. And, and I'd like to give credit to modern science um, right from the start, because they are really doing some wonderful research into both these areas. But as you touched on earlier with with diet, you know, modern science probably the last decade now has this new shiny thing called personalized medicine or personalized diet, which, of course, Ayurveda and other traditional you know, sciences have known for thousands of years. And it's the same with natural cycles. You know, what modern science calls circadian medicine or chronobiology, which is what, 20 or 30 years old, and they're still working half of it out. <laughs> Ayurveda have mapped it out and understood in exquisite detail every hour of a 24-hour daily clock and even the seasonal clock exactly what happens internally and what we need to do to stay in balance. And and one of the big things to, as a practical thing is what we do in the evening with our technology and our modern lighting as a human species, we've started to stay up later and be more active in the evenings. We eat our main meal, most people still, once the sun has set. This is starting to change again with some really good research around intermittent fasting. But for thousands of years, the Ayurvedic wisdom has been once the sun goes down, which is that element of fire and heat, the internal sun, what Ayurvedic medicine calls our Agni, the digestive fire that cooks our food, is also winding down, it's wanting to go to sleep because the purpose of sleep is to get rid of all the impurities and the stress and to revitalize the kidneys and repair the tissues and all that sort of procedure. So this one change I see, whether it's in a seminar with a corporate group or a school group or in one-on-one -on -one consultations, this one change is the, probably the biggest change in a lifestyle sense to people's energy levels, the quality of their sleep, weight loss, you know, their skin complexion. And that is just lightening up the evening meal. Once we get to 5, 6, 7 p.m., the transition in Ayurveda is towards the nighttime cycle. We want to slow it down. So getting rid of that big, heavy evening meal, having that more in the middle of the day, 
and then just having lighter, more easily digested foods in the evening so that by the time we go to sleep, all the body's resources and energy is going to where we want it to go. It's going to the brain to get rid of those impurities and to establish the memories of the day and the liver and clean the body rather than simply going to the stomach to try and digest that food. So that's a that's a really, really good example. And intermittent fasting is starting to replicate that, even though most of the modern regimes are slightly out of kilter with the with the best natural cycles. So the second question in terms of the elements is again just understanding simply what our world and our inner world, which is our body, is made of. And according to Ayurveda, and it's very similar with Chinese medicine and Tibetan medicine and most of the Eastern um, sciences, is five elements. Space, air, fire, water, and earth. Our whole universe is composed of those five. You know, the mountains are more earthy. The oceans are the water element. The sun represents the fire element. The air we breathe and everything's contained in space and so our bodies also contain these five but in different proportions so our interaction with nature and again modern medicine the last decade connection to nature what we call earthing which is basically getting outside taking our shoes and socks off connecting the soles of our feet to the earth literally allows negative ions to come into the body douse the inflammatory fires that line our tissues and it actually makes us mentally and emotionally more grounded, more settled. You know, I've had clients and people come up to me in seminars say, yeah, I'm funny, I used to have a little baby that would always cry and we could never settle it. Mum and Dad, we'd pass it back. And then I realised that she'd settle down when I would walk outside and I was just standing on the grass nursing her. And so traditionally they would get little kids that were misbehaving and they'd dig a hole in the ground, they call it a, an earthing pit, and they'd actually put the children in the pit. <laughs> they would not put the soil back on top, I have to explain this. But the natural vibrational energy, that earthing energy, that grounding energy of Mother Earth actually would settle them and ground them. And so if we are... The opposite, if we're already too sort of earthy, we're a bit stagnant in our life, there's inertia, we're putting on weight, we call this a kapha imbalance in Ayurveda. We want to bring some of the other elements into our life, maybe the fire element, so we have more stimulating fiery foods, chilies, peppers, more red and orange foods that actually stimulate our digestive fire, you know, to get that remove that sluggishness. We maybe bring some more space and air into our life, more movement, you know, more sort of deep breathing to clear the lungs, get out in the fresh air, and these help offset that earthiness. So this is the way we can use the different elements to either calm ourselves down, more earthy activities, you know, so if we're at the end of a busy working day and, you know, the people that are in corporate world, been on the computer all day and it's been a really busy and the mind's fried and we get home we don't go and do a really high energy cycling spin class at the gym and take you know really spicy food we maybe have a really calming yoga class or we meditate more or we just rest and we have more sort of grounding earthing foods um, and that's just some examples you know we could obviously go into 
a lot more but that's that's so interesting and, and so useful two, two last questions um herbs because i know within ayurveda and and, you, and western um western medicine herbs have a big role to role, role to play and i'd love your view at, at a time when i, I guess there's a confusion uh, between can we get all of our nutrients from the food we eat or do we need supplements to take? Uh, Ayurveda herbs are starting. I know, um, uh, is it like ashwagandha? I know there's a lot of clinical uh, trials that have shown that to have you know very positive benefits. Um, and a lot of times people will rush out and buy these herbs and start taking these yeah. Is herbs, but what's your view on 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 taking herbs, spices, supplements, and um, uh, for an individual who's listening to this as to whether they um, because I think there is a lot of confusion and people often just take it because um, it feels you know it feels like everyone's taking it so <laughs> it can't do any harm. But I'd love your perspective on um, on um, on herbs. Yeah, it's a, well, that's a it's a minefield of a topic. So uh, try and answer. Um, briefly there's there's a number of aspects but the first one that comes to mind for me is is digestion we talk a lot about diet both western and you know even what we know about eastern traditions which is you know what food food is medicine we hear we are what we eat you know but the real missing factor in much of this from an ayurvedic perspective is actually digestion so in Ayurveda, it says you can actually eat unwholesome food, the foods that actually is not the best food you could possibly eat. But if your digestion is strong, the agni is strong, and the channels, what they call the shrotas of the body, the body's composed of these little tiny shrotas, these channels and big shrotas, that allows the, the nutrition to get to the cells and the waste to be limited. If the channels are clear and the digestion's strong, then even if you eat less than pure food, not quite wholesome, the body will take what's good for it and it will get rid of what it doesn't need. So it can actually turn that unwholesome food into a certain amount of nectar for the body. But if your digestion is weak or it's not working at all, you can eat the best food in the world, the best herbs, the ashwagandha, the turmerics, the perfect 100% plant-based diet, whatever the latest fat is. But if your digestion is not working, that food will be poison to your body. Because the body needs to transform, it needs to cook whatever we eat, whatever we put into our mouth, it has to transform that before it can be useful to the cells of the body. And so this is what I, the answer to your question is really a, a different answer, but it's improve digestion first it's like the engine of a car you can put the best fuel into your racing car but if something's wrong with the engine it doesn't matter what fuel you put into it you've got to fix the engine so the herbs are really secondary and this is what i learned from a great doctor his name is dr raju and he's very famous in india um, whenever i go to india i try and spend as much time with him as possible but he, he he taught a lesson into our class or the teacher gave us some tips from him in, in when we were studying Ayurveda and it was these eight points of Ayurveda particularly when you see an individual client and herbs was the last on the list 
was at the bottom of the list. You know, the rest of it was about uplifting the spirit of the patient or the client, you know, to make them feel good because that's the main medicine. You know, that's what heals the body is hope and faith and positivity yeah. and shift their, their, their attention away from the illness to something else. And so all these things were, were far higher and more important than, than the herbs, which is not to discount herbs. Ashwagandha is a fabulous herb. The other part, just quickly before I finish, is that what happens when Western science brings out herbs is, is basically what they did with pharmaceutical drugs, is they, they think that something, one thing is an active ingredient, and it's the wonder herb or the wonder pill, and that's what they provide. Whereas in Ayurveda, it's actually very rare that one would be prescribed one individual herb by itself. Because the understanding is that Mother Nature works in a synergistic wisdom, that there's an intelligence of herbal compounds that even though one might be an active ingredient in a sense of doing what we want to do for the liver or the blood pressure, it's the other herbs that maybe mitigate certain side effects of that herb and so often or most commonly they're given as compounds mm. not these isolated individual herbs and that's where people can often run into problems particularly with things like turmeric turmeric's very heating to the body and it wasn't designed to be taken just raw you know you don't just put it in a glass of water and drink it raw that's actually not necessarily good for the body. Turmeric's designed to be cooked. You know, you have some ghee and you fry it up and it's, that's what activates the inner intelligence of the turmeric. So there's all this wisdom that's lost when we take these herbs individually, but some of them still have value and I'm not, I'm not against people sort of taking them when it's done in the right way. Absolutely. So interesting. And when you talk about digestive health, and is that very aligned with like the modern uh, emerging research, if you like, around gut health and the microbiome? So it's the same principle. Again, another example of something that's been uh, in existence for thousands of years, but is becoming more of a modern uh, modern concept. Uh, so it's the same thing in terms of looking yeah. after your, uh, your digestive health um, and uh, making sure you're healthy from a gut perspective so that everything is translated um, uh, positively that you put in your body. Yeah, well, it, it's related, definitely. But again, there's a, it's like the iceberg, you know, we, we get the tip of the iceberg, but sometimes we don't get what's underlying. And so with gut health today, again, what we're told is, you know, gut health so important and there's this microbiome and we need probiotics. But the way we get them is, again, in products. You know, sometimes it's in food, great. But what, what the Ayurvedic view of digestion that's, that's deeper is that what really impacts digestion even more is things like stress, is whether we actually sit down to eat rather than we stand up and we race around or we eat in the car or we eat when we're emotional. And so it's this aspect of digestion related to the digestive fire. And the analogy I use is like it's a campfire. You know, when you go camping and you want a strong, healthy campfire, you put, to begin with, you put little kindling on it, little twigs and little um, sticks. Because if you put a big, heavy log 
on a fire that's not strong, you actually put the fire out. So this is where we get into things like our Western practices of just eating certain amounts of food because we think they're healthy for us and not eating when we're actually hungry or we have an appetite. Our Western practice of drinking chilled or ice cold drinks. You know, you think of a digestive fire, it works on the principle of heat. We want the fire to be strong. The first thing you would do to put the fire out is to drench it in ice cold water or chilled water. And that's a very common Western habit. You go to China or you go to um, throughout Asia and you know, they'll, they'll sit there warm tea. Mm. You want a clean house, you know, and a lot of this stuff about gut health and intermittent fasting is all about cleaning the body, autophagy, which is fantastic. But if you have a big dinner party Saturday night, all your friends around, you eat and you drink, you go to bed late and it's too late to wash the dishes, you say, darling, let's do them in the morning. You get up in the morning and the food is stuck to the side of the plate, yeah? You don't wash your dishes in cold water. You wash them in warm or hot water with some detergent. And so similar principle with the body. When we don't digest food properly because of this, you know, eating too much that we can't digest or cold water that we douse the, the fire, then we create in Ayurvedic terms something called armor. Armor is improperly or incompletely digested food that the body doesn't recognize as a waste product anymore. So it doesn't eliminate it. So it just gets stored in the body and it sticks to the channels of the body. And so we want to get rid of that. And so just sipping warm or at least room temperature water during the day, again, can have massive improvements, one on digestion long term, but just general health. You know, we just detox naturally, which is how the body's designed to do it. Um, and so, yeah, it's that deep wisdom, just that, you know, sitting down to eat, eating in a slow, settled manner with our attention on the food, rather than while we're watching the TV or mm. catching the latest podcast mm. or, or walking so, along. Yeah. yeah. So what we know about gut flora and microbiome, fantastic, absolutely wonderful what modern science is bringing out. But we can also still marry it with these more timeless traditional principles of just good digestion in terms of, you know, how that food gets transformed into what we want. Amazing. Thank you so much. I could ask you many, many more questions, but I'm very conscious of time and uh, I only got through uh, some of my questions. But I think where do people go from here? Because effectively, what you describe makes so much common sense. I mean, it really does. Um, and when you compare it to the way many of us live our lives, you know, using microwaves, not 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 working, not operating with the natural cycle, you know, all the things that we've talked about, there's a lot of uh, improvement or upgrading that can be done. So I would recommend everyone read your book, I have to say, because mm -hmm. it is such a, um, a handy and very practical reference. You know, you, you include everything there. And I think by reading that, as you read it, you can compare how you're currently practicing and you can start to change things because it's very hard as, as you as you described when you were 19 and you came across this information yeah. it, um, it's unsettling because you realize that oh well like everything I've been doing like even the meal because we're very used to having dinner in the evening uh, here uh, which again goes against the natural side but we've got used to that and then just changing that drinking warm drinks instead of cold drinks uh, there's a lot of change that is that that is required and just gradually upgrading where would you say what would be the first thing to, to to actually do would it be the sleep for example to get into that habit what would if someone's listening to this 
and is um, far out of balance, let's say, and far away from the um, the natural um, cycles. So there's a lot of opportunity for improvement, which is good. And yeah. what what is the starting point uh, for that person apart from uh, reading and digesting your book? Yeah, well, there's two that come to mind. One is sort of like a, a fundamental principle when you are talking then about you know how many of these things that that sort of resonate and that we we probably can change in our lives and and sometimes when people hear that they actually feel overwhelmed oh you know there's so much you know my diet's not as good or my exercise oh, and this actually almost creates stress within us so i just touch on the first point is and this is the the deep wisdom of ayurveda is that bliss or happiness is the greatest medicine so when we start start with this mindset that it should be easy and comfortable that stress really is what we're trying to avoid and so being happy is actually better than being healthy so i need to explain that and so and the first chapter of the book without trying to promote the book is nourish you know nourish the mind before you nourish the body you know it's and it's this idea of and we all know people that sort of seem to do everything right you know they go to bed early and they're always exercising they seem to have this perfect diet and they're sort of like this austere but they're just they're not happy you know and then there's other people that seem to you know they party all the time and they're always socializing and they maybe drink a bit too much and their diet's not perfect but they're just and that's 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 health in many ways. And so, so happy, don't, don't miss being happy and being social. And that's more important than having this perfect Ayurvedic routine or perfect amount of sleep. So that's where I'd start. Mm. And then the second one would be the evening cycle. There's a classic, and I know Lawrence, you do a lot in the corporate world and with business people. And there's this massive thing around at the moment about the morning routine you know, as business people or productive individuals, we need to have a good morning routine because that sets up our entire day. I agree entirely. But what I'd get people to start with is the evening routine. Mm. As my friend and colleague, Helen Toomey, who's Australian, but she lives in America now, we speak on Ayurveda um, all around the world. And she says, the day starts the night before. I love that. Yeah. The day starts the night before. So a lot of people have problem with establishing a good morning routine for themselves because they're not in sync with the natural cycles at night. So they wake up, they're already heavy, they need caffeine to get going, they're an hour behind because they slept in. So this idea of just lightening up the evening meal, it's an absolute game changer. So just instead of the meat and potatoes or the chicken parmesan or the heavy pasta at night, trying to have it a little bit earlier. So if it's eight o'clock, try and come back to seven or even 6 p.m. and just have more maybe stir fries or soups in winter, less meat, have your meat at lunchtime if you're a meat eater, just so you just feel like you've digested dinner. And then I know it's Dr. Scrooge sort of stuff, but just trying to bring that sleep cycle a little bit earlier you know if people are going to bed at 11 or 12 p.m they're actually missing half of what in Ayurveda is called the nighttime rejuvenation cycle so the understanding is the body goes through six 
four hour cycles every day according to these doshas we touched on at the beginning vata pitta kapha airy fiery earthy and so from 10 p.m till 2 a.m it's known as a pitta cycle this fiery principle and the pitta or the fire between 10 p.m and 2 a.m is not designed to digest food which many people eat late at night or they have the midnight munchies it's designed to digest the byproducts of the food we've eaten during the day the armor get rid of the impurities so we clean slate for the next day and so getting to bed sort of closer towards the 10 p.m than the 12 p.m makes a massive difference because again in Ayurveda it's not how much sleep we get which is a very western science thing you got to get seven or eight or nine it's when we get it principally are we riding the wave we can actually sleep less we can get less sleep by getting to bed earlier in the natural cycle so again I know it's tough you know we love you know we start watch movies I don't go to bed at 10 o'clock every night um, <laughs> but just you know a few times a week if someone's starting maybe even just once a week you know it's a really good early to bed night with a light dinner and they will feel the difference the next day and that'll be enough motivation to maybe implement it a few more times as they go. Definitely, I love that. So on that note, the day starts the night before. I love that. That's, <laughs> that's wonderful. Mark, thank you for spending time with us. And I'd love to acknowledge you for like all the work you've done for writing the books, for inspiring many people, including myself, and, and for championing this philosophy, which is so natural. And I, and I believe the closer we come to that, that natural rhythm, then the more in equilibrium will be so thank you mark where can people find out more about the work that you uh, that you do thank you lawrence uh they can go to my website which is mark bun b-u-n-n.com.au um on there there's a speaker link so those that uh you know in the corporate world my my probably number one passion is for sort of giving these talks out in you know keynotes and workshops at uh, at company conferences and school groups and things. Um, there's also links to the book and I'll just show, that's the actual original cover of uh, okay. the book, which is um, the one we designed. The one that you have, which is a white cover, was actually a, a rebrand by a group called Oliver's, which run uh, sort of natural, healthy, fast food outlets that uh, people are seeing. So that's um, where I got it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but no, markbun.com.au will have, um, everything on the on the books and the podcasts and uh, the Ayurveda side and then also for those interested in uh, in talks amazing thank you mark enjoy the rest of your day and thank you everyone thank you for listening thanks lawrence thanks everyone <laughs>